We are now recording. We are now recording. This is what it's like when we are recording. I'm excited. I'm really excited because today's show has to do with making us feel good about who we were as children and the innocence of being children. Was I an innocent child? I, uh, I, well, question is, I is so. are you innocent anymore? Um, <clears throat> no comment. Oh. <laughs> well, let me go ahead and kick this puppy off there. Old school. Old school? As our cat is on the floor. Our cat? It's your cat. But he's your cat when you're here. Uh, he would like that, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he would. Hello and welcome to episode four of TheaterCast. This is pre-recorded live in the heart of Connecticut here in K-Max Studios. Tonight we're going to discuss the film. The never-ending story. La, da, 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 so get your da, da. tickets, grab your popcorn and your drinks and take your seat. <laughs> this show is about to begin. Here's Johnny. You can't handle the truth. With theater, 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 Here we go. We're doing this. Turn around. Look at what you see. Look at what you see. In her face. Rose. The mirror of your dreams. Oh, I get it. Make believe I'm everywhere. Giving in the light. Oh, go, boy. Written on the pages. The answer to the never-ending story. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another verse? Oh, is that it? No, there's more. There's other verses. Oh. Reach for the stars, suckers. I a fantasy. you see will be rhymes that keep their secrets yeah they do will unfold behind the clouds you're darn right and they're up on a rainbow is the answer to a never-ending story I guess you guys don't want to hear any more of that, but thank you so much for listening. This has been Kevin. This is Lewis. <laughs> See you next week. No, we're going to talk about this movie. The movie opens with that song. It really does. And also uh, a very well. creepy and ominous uh, visuals behind the credits while that song is playing. Yeah, that's right. It's all smoke, like this dark gray smoke and and just... I guess that's supposed to be visually representative of the nothing. The smoke in the we'll mirrors. Find out about because you know it's destroying Fantasia. The nothing is a lot more than just nothing. It's like everything. Well, except for it's nothing. 
at the time. <laughs> um, we're going to go down to questions that we always go down for the show. And there's six of them. And we're going to make them worth your while for your listening pleasure. If you've ever seen The NeverEnding Story and you've thought, wow, that movie had a big impact on my life, but I really don't know anything about it. Well, you're going to learn a little bit about it. From us. From us. I am Zerbinator, and this is my co-host, Lewis. Did I say that? Yeah, I think you did. I should have if I hadn't. Well, if they don't know by now, then they need to get on track. <laughs> That's true, because we've done... what? This is episode four. Congratulations. Episode four. Thank hey, you for coming. Thought? I never thunk it. <laughs> um, we're going to start off with... Uh, First of all, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing night? pretty good. This is the first time we're recording in the morning. Early morning. Yeah. That's well, what, I mean, it's not that early. I think that's why he keeps falling down on his back, Jerry. Can't keep himself up in the morning. Jerry, you doing okay over there? Jerry. He's on his back. He looks like he's hung over from something terrible. Oh, dear. Too much catnip? I think so. <laughs> Probably. Got a catnip hangover. <laughs> well, we're going to start off with our questions, like I, I said earlier. So... We're going to start from question number one. Hey, Lewis. Sup? Of course, we know the name of the movie because we've said it several times, but who made this film? Well, pretty much you can uh, attribute the making of this movie to Wolfgang Peterson. He Stage name or a real name? That's his real name. Wow. Yep. He, uh, he's a director. He has a whole bunch of credits. Um, and he wrote and directed this movie. There's a few other credits on the writing, but it was pretty much all him. He's German. Yes, he's German. He's from West Germany. This is just before... When when did the wall come down? The wall came down around the late 80s. Um, yeah, 87 is when that speech happened. You know, tear down this wall, right? right. And then the, the Pink Floyd got together and redid the wall. No, it was just actually uh, the one Floydian. But uh, my dad was there. And actually sent pieces of the wall back to us. That's interesting. Yeah. He worked for the CIA at the time. He's dead now, so I can say that. <laughs> um, but uh, And not because of the wall coming down. It didn't hit him or anything. And not because the NSA is probably listening to this podcast. Not at all. Because I assume the NSA and the FBI, they listen to this podcast because it's so freaking cool, right? Well, yeah. That's in their cars. They listen to it while they're on stakeouts yeah. or having steak. And then they say, hey, he can't say that. Oh, okay. His father's dead. I guess yeah, that's okay. Yeah, his father's dead, so it's okay. That's yep. like it puts a capper on it. It's all right now. <laughs> or is he hiding in Mumbai? Is he? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So a German made this. Yeah, uh, he made it in West Germany. Um, from what I can tell, production and even some filming started as early as 1978. Good gosh. Yeah, well, you know, movies take a long time to make, but movies back then took even longer to make. I bet. So, you know, they started casting. They started, uh, you know, building the sets and all that stuff way back in 1978. Which, wow. Yeah, hard to believe, right? Yeah, and especially, and I'm thinking about just the... We'll get into it, of course, but the animatronics and the visuals. I don't think we even said this movie came out in 1984, over 30 years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a classic 80s uh, movie. C can we call it a children's movie? Is it? For you, it was. Well, for me, it was because I was a, a child when I watched it. I was a teen. I, I have reservations about... Um, You're Native exactly. American? <laughs> No, I am not. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I don't think I am. I don't know. I got to 
spit in a cup and send it out to find out that but well, 23 and me or something like that yeah one of those <laughs> ancestry or whatever yeah um but you had reservations that's why I, asked. I i did i had reservations about whether or not this was really a children's movie i would definitely say it's a children's movie yes i you know the dialogue uh a lot of the times the interactions between the characters very children centric but there's death there is death. There is darkness. The whole, uh, every sense in the movie is one of darkness and impending doom. doom. Yeah, doom. Doom and sadness. It's the doom and the sadness. That's what really is the meat of the movie. It does. It drives the movie. It is a movie about basically the end of a world and with this weird, um, uh, meta thing anyways <laughs> where'd you go there lou where did we go hey, we were talking about who made this movie and it's wolfgang peterson that's yeah. who made the movie welcome back yeah welcome I, back I, to the I actual went with you. question at hand i went with you <laughs> i had already gone to the well oh, forget it but so yeah they they filmed this mostly in munich um and it you know was released in 1984 um and the director, Wolfgang Peterson, uh, he's done quite a few movies. I don't know. Oh. I think he's got like, you know, 30, 40 movies, something like that. Under wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, quite a few, including um, Poseidon. That was a movie that came out in 2006. I think the Troy. P is silent. You know Troy? Troy was a ripoff of Tron. Uh, no, Troy was a movie where we got to see Brad Pitt's Wang. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. What a yeah. Wang. What a Wang. Uh, the Perfect Storm. George, yes. George Clooney, um, you know. I love that movie. And then. Pilots uh, a boat for the whole time. And one of the uh, the brothers, uh, Wahlbergs, is in it. Oh, I don't know. Donnie. Tell I me. That was, I haven't seen the movie for a long time. so It's a good movie. A lot of water in them. Air Force One. Did it? Yeah, a movie about a president being a badass. Yeah. I love that. Um, that's actually one of the Jack Ryan films. Oh, I don't know. No, no, no. The Fugitive is one of the Jack Ryan films. Air Force One is a great movie. Yes, I agree. It was a great movie. And he's got a whole bunch of other credits for different stuff. Uh, you know, directing, like I said, it's 30-something movies. Jeez. And uh, co-writing on a whole bunch more. So, Is this one of his first ones? This, uh, I think his credits went back to the late 60s. Okay. He started so he's up there. Directing. And he has stuff that goes well past the never-ending story and well before the never-ending story. That's so, so. awesome. Yep, he's been doing his thing. Wow. What, uh, hey, I have a question for you. Oh, is this question number two? Question number two is, <gasps> who starred in this other than the Oompa Loompa? Which Oompa Loompa? Deep Roy. Deep Roy, yes, he was in it, and he was so young. He was young. He, he, this is before the uh, wrinkles set in. Well, yeah. <laughs> which is weird, and, uh... It's funny, too, because, um, he plays... Uh, what was his character's name? Do you I always I always attributed him to the Mad Hatter because he had that big Alice, top hat, big top hat, yeah. and it's such an Alice in Wonderland setup. And it was him and Jar Jar Binks the snail. <laughs> yep, and um, he was freaky. And uh, but uh, I don't know his name. I I looked it up and couldn't find Squat because I didn't look it up hard enough. 
Uh, fair enough. I, I didn't go much into that character either because he's kind of an ancillary character. Uh, just one to show really the, the plight of all the people in uh, Fantasia. Yeah. They wanted he's to just, show some goofers. Yeah, he's a represent uh, representative of, uh, I don't know, the East or the West or something like that. Yeah, there was uh, the Mystical these... East and the uh, uh, North by Northwest. I don't know. I'm making that up. <laughs> um. Yep, he was in it. Um, but the main characters—that's that's the thing. That's what's uh, the, important. The the main players in this story, I would say, are pretty much uh, Bastion and Atreyu. True, because Bastion is uh, the young man reading the book, uh, someone who's been pushed around a lot and who uh, dives into this fantasy world to escape his. It didn't seem like that crappy of a it, life. He it, just got bullied a little at school. The only problem that I had that I could understand why his life was so terrible is that his father would make breakfast with eggs and orange juice. Yeah, he put eggs in that blender in, the, in one of the earlier scenes and then uh, orange juice and just blended it up. And, and it was like no big deal. It was no big deal. And he's drinking it and it never got on his big ass mustache. I don't know. That's a talent. But still, that can really tick you off when you're a kid trying to grow up in society, especially at that time period. And he left his jar of Sanka out on the counter. Well, I, I guess... That's embarrassing. And that can cause you to go up into attics and read books in the schools. I guess uh, Bastion probably put it away for him or whatever, because he looked like a businessman. He, he had to go off to some meeting or something. And his name is Bastion, which comes from the word bastard. Does it? No, but, oh. but I would think that's what he thought, and that's why they're like, let's kick Bastion's butt. Well, he's clearly, ha he has a father, so he's not a bastard. No, he's not a bastard, but Although it's such a weird name. I've never they dropped the Sir on Sebastian. That's what they did. Yep, they were like, you don't even have a full name, man. We're you gonna should beat you up. Beat the partial's ass. You beat the partial's ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Atreyu was played by a dude uh, called Noah Hathaway. Oh, I didn't even tell you who uh, oh, my fault. name is. I cut you. Barrett Oliver. Barrett Oliver. So both of his names were pretty terrible. <laughs> Barrett? I don't know. That's not Barrett? such a bad name. Although it's actually, he's his French. last name is a first name. So. His last name's a first name, and his first name is French. It's actually pronounced Beret. Oh, it's Beret Oliver. Yeah. Mm, figures. Not to be confused with Beret Manilow. So this actor... Is a you know young kid during the filming of this movie, uh, he went on to uh, film Cocoon, awesome movie, and Frank and Weenie, oh, nineteen eighty five and nineteen eighty four, and as I was looking up his film credits, they end in nineteen eighty nine. That's it. He just stops acting. What did he, he do after that? I don't know. I couldn't really find much. I assume he got a, a regular old job. Probably teaching. Probably most actors who give up acting end up becoming a teacher, not teaching acting, but teaching school. Yeah, or something like that. Some kind of an instructor. I, yeah. I have noticed that too in the looking up of you know what people do after acting. Um, he probably grew up to be a business suit wearing man who uh, drinks orange juice and eggs, eggs blended with a mustache, yeah, and gives his son a nice little pat on the head. Like we had a good talk, didn't we? Yes, I did good fathering. I'm gonna go on now and <laughs> have my day. Destroy the planet with my industrial job. Uh, Atreyu was played by Noah Hathaway. Any relation? No, so, as far as I can see, no. Okay. Um, he had a few other credits as well. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, uh, the TV series, 1978 oh, and 79. Yeah. 
Yep, he was a little kid in he, that. A little boxy. He used to pet boxy, right? Yes, yep. Oh, that's right. I thought I remembered that face. There you go. He also is uh, about a quarter Native American, so I think that he probably he had got some, cast because of that. And um, he had some reservations. Yeah, He had some reservations Yeah, uh, that he called home. That's true. No, I don't know. Yeah, I think he was probably born in L.A. or something like that. Well, the character of Atreyu, um, you know, they they describe him as like you know hunting the blue buffalo and or That's purple tr- buffalo. Was it purple? Purple buffalo? buffaloes is purple where he buffaloes. hunted. He even told he told um, the grand dude with the beard um, and the shark played thing. by Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> no, I don't think it was. No, no. Um, he told Samuel L. Jackson. He said, "Look, if you don't want to have anything to do with me." I'll go back to hunting the blue, bu- uh, the purple buffalo. And he turned around and walked down. They're like, wait, wait, I guess maybe you are. I was kidding. I no one else showed up. Come so. on, come on back. Yeah, they, they didn't believe it was him in the beginning. I, I don't think it was Samuel L. Jackson. Not because I looked at the film credits, but because at no point in the movie did he say, hold on to your butts. So, True. Yep. And you know, he always says that. I want to know where the hell is motherfucking Atreyu. Ooh. Right. Um, let's see here. He, oh, oh, this is, this is one of the most interesting facts I found out about Noah Hathaway. You ready? You I'm totally. Are you hanging on to your butt? Okay. Not that hard. Oh God, that was hurting. <laughs> he was, uh, an actor in the movie Troll in 1986. So was his father as well. And you know what his character's name was? Noah. No, nope. No, no um, <laughs> you're probably not going to guess, so I'm going to give you Please a Please do, yeah. All right. You're a wizard, Harry. Harry Potter? His name was freaking Harry Potter. Junior. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I guess his father was also named Harry Potter in that movie. I, yeah, I looked at that and Harry I was Potter like, wait a second. second. This dude didn't play Harry Potter. We all know who played Harry Potter. Daniel... Radcliffe, yeah, or whatever. That's a rad cliff, he said. He was a rad on dude. the side of a mountain. Um, and Noah Hathaway is a very interesting character. He actually has a film bio that is much more uh, in depth than uh, Barrett Oliver's was. Huh. Uh, he he's been in TV uh, commercials, TV shows, movies, all the way up until 2016. But it's very interspersed. It, it's uh, spotty at best. He takes a yeah. lot of long breaks. In fact, between like, I don't know, 1994 and 2006, there's nothing. College. Like 10 years, he was just nothing. No, I think he was a little old for that because he was oh. about 14 or so during the filming of this movie. Oh, really? Wow, I thought he'd be younger than that. No, uh, maybe a little bit younger. It depends on when they filmed you know, most of his scenes. Because true, 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 true. In 1978, he would have been like 10. You ever watch this movie and can picture Tom Cruise playing that and you expect him to go see the devil and legend like in this movie? I always confused the two when I was thinking back to never in the story. I did, honestly. Uh, to answer your question, no. Have no, you ever seen legend with that. Tom Cruise in there? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always, I always confuse the two when I when before watching it again. I always confuse the two. I mix them together. And when I saw Noah's face, I was like, "That's not Tom Cruise." Oh, that's right. All right, yeah, that's I guess. all. I'm done with that little <laughs> rant. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, he also became uh, 
uh, he became a badass, a real life badass. Oh, yeah, he learned a whole bunch of different martial arts, um, like uh, Muay Thai, uh, some karate, uh, Nujitsu. I don't know. Maybe it seems like he Kung hit, Pao. <laughs> he had a lot of the uh, of the martial arts. He learned a whole bunch. He also taught I was gonna ask. martial arts yep so he became a teacher too he became a master yep and he taught a whole bunch of other things too he also became tatted up quite oh, a bit oh great yep he got a bunch of tattoos and his current wife and him own a tattoo parlor somewhere in california so you can get an atreyu tattoo you can totally get an atreyu by tattoo a atreyu by atreyu yeah. that would be awesome yeah that would be something else wouldn't it what was it? Uh, who played the uh, the the flying um, sperm dog? What was his name? <laughs> Falcor. Falcor. You can get a Falcor tattoo. You could get a Falcor tattoo by a Treyu. Yeah. Wow. That would be something. Can you be trade by a Treyu? You can be trade by a Treyu. Yes. So in if other you words, know, become friends with you could him become and currency you in the back. Oh, I didn't mean betrayed. Oh, I'm I meant sorry, like you make said trade. trade. Oh, yeah, no. like like hey, I have Lewis here. Can I give you this and you give me $5? I'm sure. That's awesome. Uh his uh screen acting credits do go all the way up to 2016 though. Uh, so he still comes back to acting. He's balancing a, a world in which he has a trade and he also uh, X. X. Yeah. I wonder which one brings in more money. Probably acting, I would assume. Me too. Yeah. Well, Number if you're ever uh, out there and you want to visit a Treyu. Oh, you know what else Where's... is cool about a Treyu? There was a, a metal band that named themselves <laughs> really? a Treyu. Yeah. <laughs> Treyu! Wow. <laughs> Maybe Sorry, I got excited, I don't know. but they they actually named themselves a Treyu based on a Treyu, the character from the Neverending Story. That is not so only awesome. that, but there was also a punk band that named themselves Falcor. Based that on I knew. Falcor, you did know that. I knew about Falcor because I used to when I was growing up listen to Suicidal Tendencies and DRI and da 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 da. Yeah, da. I thought that so, was kind of interesting that two of the characters from Neverending Story became uh, band titles. That's a good idea, though. I, I, what else could be done? If I had a band, I would name it after the two girls with the huge tatas that were shooting their eyes at people. Oh, those weird like uh, f- ladies with the wings with the laser eyes. Yeah. Those boobs were a little big. Yeah, they were. I find that interesting. Lewis. Too. <laughs> Hold on, I'm back. I'm back. I was, I would definitely was not visualizing those uh, big stone boobs. No, not at all. Nope, nope. Not at all. Um, yeah, those, those were interesting little statue characters to have in what could be considered a children's movie. Yeah, that, that was a little much. But then again, I thought, and I said this last night when I was watching the movie to my wife, Shelley. You've met Shelley. Of course. Um, I said to her, I said, um, look at those. I said, look at these things. And when I was a kid watching this, even at 14, and I would have been around 14, maybe 15 watching it. Um, and that's like, pubescent hell never thought of it never thought twice about big boots because those are the years of innocence 14 is well okay i was already locking the door in the bathroom but still i didn't think about i think maybe i was about six the first time i saw it i saw it on vhs 
Did you think anything about the boobs at six? Nope, not at all. Didn't get thirsty or anything? I did not think... (laughs) I did not think about them at all until they were brought to my attention in another podcast that I was listening to. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it might have been the Cracked Podcast or something. They brought up that because they were talking about 80s movies. Oh, wow. I feel bad for talking about something that's already been talked about. No, Boobs are hardly ever discussed they anywhere. Were, they were there, though. <laughs> they were there in plain sight. And, you know, I bet you there's there's a scene uh, in which some night, someone, uh, he just kind of comes in and exists for 30 seconds in order to die, uh, <laughs> runs, runs through the gate and gets laser beamed by these two... Uh, like lady, what would you call them? They're not, I, they remind me of the Sphinx. Yeah, they were they supposed to be of. like uh, guardians of the North by Northwest situation going on over there. They were guarding the and, passage. Yeah, and I guess your mind is supposed to be clear of all evil thoughts. Mm-hmm. Why would you hang two giant boobies out there? That's what happened. The knight looked up and said, whoa, would yeah. you look at those tatas? And, he and got that zapped. was it. Yep, he was done for. Got super fried by That's wrong. That's like a cop hiding in the bushes on the Autobahn. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Of course you're going to speed. You were going 110 miles an hour over the speed limit. ridiculous. Oh, wait, that's Europe. You were going 110 kilometers over the speed limit. Bringing the man down. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Just a couple of other... um, Casting uh, credits. Let's see here. Casting credits. Uh, There's a guy called Carl Conrad Coriander. (laughs) Triple C, as I call him. Uh, He played Thomas Hill, who, if I there's there's like no picture, there's no description for it, but I think he was the bookman. Tell me, bookstore dude. Tell me his wife's name is Connie. Oh man, that would be something else. Connie Conrad Coriander. Oh no, her middle name wouldn't be Conrad. What some state, some places they take the middle name. Oh dear, and they throw it away. Yep, like you said, Deep Roy. He played the uh, little. Dude, <laughs> of course he always does. He was just a guy. He had a top hat. He looked very dapper. He did. Uh, his name, by the way, Teeny Weeny. That was his name, Teeny Weeny. Of course. Yep. Uh, Na- uh, the word we're looking for is naturally. Uh, there's a guy named Tilo. I'm gonna butcher the last name. Uh, Pruckner. Oh, he's, he's got an umlaut over the U. I don't Pruckner. Just call him Umla. Tilo Umlaut. Mm-hmm. He played Night Hob, the little uh, goblin-looking character. He did a good job on that. Kind of scary. The same same goblin that's in the children's story could also be seen in the Evil Dead. He wasn't an actual like evil character, but he was always skulking. He was always yeah. like uh, around. Even uh, you know, there's a scene early on when Bastion first you know starts reading about uh, Fantasia. Instead of joining uh, the big group of people who are, you know, talking or, you know, trying to bequeath, uh, wrong word. <laughs> That's okay. I've done that. Uh, they're going to my wife talk during the movie the, last night. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to talk to the Empress and uh, what's his face? Shark Fin, not Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, that guy. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Actually, I have his Umlaut? name. No. I have his, uh, no, I have his name. I have his name. Moses Gunn. His name was Chiron. Chiron. Yes, Chiron. When they were all talking to Chiron, they're all in a big group, all up on the stage talking to Chiron. But this dude, 
is actually like in a window, like peeking in, almost as though he's not supposed to be there. That's right. Well, what's up with that? Why couldn't he just go in there, park his flying bat, you know, valet, and walk in and, you know, be with all the other people? I think because the bat was sleeping. Because that's all the bat ever did was fall asleep. It was a sleepy bat. And, uh,. I think he just, he was, a, he's sort of an exhibitionist, but at the same time, a voyeur. He didn't feel like being, you know, he, he gets off on just looking. What they didn't show was after he was done skulking in that window, he went over to a window in the childlike empress's room yeah. and was like, oh, what can I see here? And he was very disappointed because she's just sick. She's just laying in bed doing nothing. Yeah, he's a perf. Yeah, I think so. I think he needs a. He needs a good mental doctor. Well, he looks very creepy too because his eyes were all like red and yeah, like weird. And he had this like pointing. I don't know. He was a goblin, some kind. He was a goober goblin. He was a goober goblin. Turn around. Oh, here he goes. And then, oh no. Okay. And oh, tell me what you see. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, where where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I lost it. Alan Oppenheimer. Alan Oppenheimer was the voice of Falcor. The voice of Falcor. Mm-hmm. And you know what his best line was in the entire film? No. <laughs> I just like hearing him say, I'm a luck dragon. <laughs> luck dragon? What is that? You have a chance of good stuff happening to you? You can't just be like one of them badass dragons <laughs> that breathe fire or something? Yeah, he, he never... looked like a dog that like got stuck and stretched out in a door or something like that. Exactly. And his back was uh, nothing but that. You know the uh, onion soup with the big balls of onions? That's what it looked like. Like uh, something you get in Thanksgiving. The, the bowl of onions yeah, stuff in there. S- the spark- shiny. Shiny onions shiny on his back. I just wanted to pop back. them all. Hold on. Who, who played Rockbiter? That's what I wanted. Oh, know. I loved Rockbiter. That's one of my favorites. I think it was amazing. It, it I like Rockbiter. And Rockbiter, the character himself, was one of the few times in the movie when I just wanted to cry. I just felt so sad for him. These hands used to be so strong. Yeah. That was a that, that's Academy hands. Award winning act. They should have brought the rock up on the Oscars. The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Rockbiter, played by Dwayne <laughs> the Rock Johnson. The Rock Johnson. Yep. He doesn't just have rock hard. Can abs. you smell what the hands are cooking? Rocks. Rocks, yeah. Lime, limestone. Shale yeah. and limestone. <laughs> with a touch of quartz. That's right, with a touch of quartz. Uh, good stuff. He was I a messy know. eater. The thing that I find most interesting about all the uh, actors in this movie is that uh, their careers never really took off. There's no big stars in this movie. True. N- no, like, mega stars. Right. Uh, the two child actors who you, I guess, could consider to be the you know main actors of the story, uh, they never really went on to do much else. It's sad, just like the movie. Yeah. Noah Hathaway, he's still doing stuff, but he's not in any big blockbusters. A few movies you might recognize, but that's about it. Do you think the horse ever became Elmer's? Uh, <laughs> well, considering horses don't live that long, yeah, he's yeah. probably not along. Artax, no. 
Well, he's probably a macaroni art thing somewhere. Speaking of another scene, that almost made me want to cry. That I couldn't believe. They took the horse out. They took the horse out. And I'm watching the horse. I'm like, oh, the, and, and I hadn't seen this movie in like almost 30-something years. So I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, oh, I remember the horse comes back. Like, it comes out the last minute. No, it wasn't the horse that came out of the water. I was thinking of something else in quicksand. Isn't it funny that most movies had quicksand back then? But... Yeah, and and the horse just kept on going down, and the horse's eyes are even getting wider. I'm thinking, this poor horse is probably like, what the hell's going on in this movie? And <laughs> sudden, bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah, so I heard from a friend of mine that that horse actually died. But, as it turns out, that was a myth. The horse did not die. Whew, I got so really serious there. this message that I'm about to uh, give Un- here unveil. is for you, Bill. You got your information from somewhere that's not reputable. The horse that played Artax in the movie did not actually die. It did, however, get injured, but it went to a ranch and it stayed there for several more years before it died of natural causes. The horse did not die in NeverEnding Story. Bill, you're nothing but a stick in the mud. Stick in the mud. You you clicking on too many Facebook links, you goomba. <laughs> Bill Whittington is what we're talking about. Oh, you didn't need to give a last name. Oh. But yes, it was Bill Whittington. Bill Whittington. (laughs) Yes, Bill. Bad info. Yeah. You had me believing they killed a horse for this movie. They did not. And he's laughing. They almost did, though. He's doing the tee-hee with his hands to his mouth. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So uh, Made Lewis research. Next question. How much money did this film bring in, my friend? This one's pretty straightforward. Um, it had a budget of $27 million. Wow. And it brought in 100 mil. So, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, job. it did pretty good. Uh, most of that money was Tripled overseas. Tripled it, baby. Yeah, most of that money was overseas. Uh, they had quite a few um, uh, patrons. Would you call them patrons? Back then, no. People that... <laughs> <laughs> Back then, we were fans. Uh, moviegoers or yeah. whatever. They had quite a few in Germany. Uh, more I so. Figured it'd be a big cult following. It, it was, well, I mean, it was made there too. Yeah. So it was, you know, home pride. Um, I think like something like 5 million people went and saw that movie uh, in Germany alone, which is a lot, you know, considerable amount of the population back in the 80s. Um, Do you know what the theme song was in Germany? No. Yeah, that makes more sense. I'm sorry, go ahead. Only $20 million in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, this is 80s money we're talking about, so it still made some money in the U.S. I don't know what that is adjusted. What, like $50, $60 million? Probably about that. Something like that. Um but it was enough. You know, they covered their budget. They they made money on this movie. Yeah. So they did good. The next question just happens to be... What is the movie about? What is the movie about? We talked about the movie so far, and we haven't talked at all about what it's about. So it's about this kid, Bastion. Uh, I mean, there's nothing special about him. He gets bullied a little. Bull haircut. He's got a... Yeah, well, that was the time, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, he's got, uh, quite the imagination. He loves reading books. He's and, your average Joe. Yep. He's your average little, uh, I don't know. What was he? He looked about 10, 11. Yeah. Like around that. 10 or 11. 10, 11. He was in middle school. He so was in middle school, which he was he, probably about 10 or 11. Which is odd that he wanted to skip 
class to go read a book. He totally did. So he's getting bullied. Uh, that's you know one of the first things you find out about him. Uh, Gets his butt kicked on the way. Yep, we already talked about the opening scene of the movie, which is mm-hmm. him talking to his father, who likes to uh, drink eggs, blended eggs, and orange juice ah. for whatever reason. I don't know. Well, he's a working man. He he doesn't have a lot of time. He's got to you know blend something up and drink it on the go. And I guess there was no microwaves back then. No, it was a pretty cool looking oven in the back for the eighties, though. Convention oven. Ah, uh, convection. You mean? That's what I said. Um, yeah, the very next scene is him, uh, just meeting up with these kids, uh, literally in the middle of the street. They're just in the middle of the street. They have no homes. <laughs> they might as well not. They're walking in the dead center of a street yeah. in a very busy looking city. What city was that, by the way? I would guess that they were trying to pull off a New York It seemed feel. very New Yorkish. But the kids uh, never changed clothes, ever. Well, the whole thing happens over the course of a day, doesn't it? Oh. Well, a day... In the real world. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he gets bullied, and these kids try to just basically mug him for his M- money. For mug his lunch for money, his money or whatever. And then they throw him in a dumpster. Yeah, they throw him in a dumpster. So like, oh, no money, huh? Well, we're going to toss you in a dumpster. That's how they talk, too, because they were in New York from Germany. So Punk kids. Just imagine any punk kid. From hey. the 80s. That, they, that was them. Come here, Punk you. Kids. I'm going to throw you in the dumpster, see? Yeah. That's what they did. That's what they did. They tossed them in the dumpster. You're trash. You go in here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Your trash belongs with trash. I, I like to, there was a thing that I noted. When they're actually chasing him down the street and then eventually into this alley with the dumpster, they call him a jerk. And I'm thinking to myself, he's not a jerk. You're the one stealing his money. Yeah. Why is he the jerk? Uh, he's running. He's making it hard on us. What a jerk. Kids yell arbitrary names all the time. I just found it kind of funny. One of those things that maybe it was in the screenplay and could have been edited out. I don't know. <laughs> we need you to Come be on, angry Wolf. at this kid. Come so on, when Wolf you're running game. after him, call him a name. <laughs> all right, action. He puts his cigar back in his mouth. You jerk. Here's a translation. Leave it. Who knows? Cut. That's perfect. Uh, so he gets out of the dumpster. All Germans talk like that. Yeah, though. he gets out of the dumpster and he walks out of the alley. And I'm like, oh, all right, now where is he, where is he going to go? Uh, the kids are still there. And they're like, hey, we didn't say you could get out of the dumpster. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, it's, it's still the same running gag. Here it goes. So he's running, he's running. And I'm like, ah, oh, he's going to get put in another dumpster. But no, he ends up running into a bookstore. Yeah, a big, really dusty old looking bookstore yeah i've been in a few old bookstores and you know i I can remember that smell just imagine listeners i I know a bookstore that's a thing where they used to uh, have all of these books on shelves and that's how you would get your books audio books no no just straight up uh made of paper uh, what yeah uh written with ink uh typeface you know the whole deal wow yeah they were bound in hard covers sometimes soft covers bound isn't that like not allowed now? they were big too and heavy you know you'd need a bag if you had multiple of them and is that legal i think it is still wow well i don't know trump might make it illegal we don't know <laughs> but anyways he, he goes into this old bookstore just yep. imagine the oldest most antique looking bookstore that you can find on some random street in a city. Yeah. This was that bookstore. And not only that, but it was filled with smoke because the shopkeep, the owner of the bookstore, uh, smoking this pipe like a lot. <laughs> the whole Wasn't thing he was the DJ dusty. on WKRP in Cincinnati. I think that was 
Carl Conrad Coriander. Trip C, as I call him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I believe that was that was him. I, or I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I never seen him again ever in with, anything. With older movies, sometimes it's hard to do research and find out who's who and who's doing what. But I think that was him. Regardless, uh, he the shopkeeper's like, "Oh, what are you running from, young man?" and blah blah blah, and tells him about. How, you know, when you uh, use your imagination to enter a book, you just get to come back out of it at the end. So yeah. there's, there's no consequence, basically, is what he's saying to him. And he gives him this speech. And Bastion is like, oh, yes, I'm on your every word. And then he tells him about this book. Oh, you, you don't want to know about this book. This book is one that's different. You don't get to just come out of this book at the end. No. You know, that kind of thing. And then uh, he goes to answer a phone call, and Bastion just steals the book. So maybe he is a jerk. I don't know. <laughs> well, he could be a jerk. He draw, you know, he's skipping school. He's stealing well, books. Well, he was on his way to school. That was the thing. Oh. He was on his way to school when the bullies you know, uh, came after him, tried to mug him, and he ran for cover in this bookstore. But then he just steals the book. He's like, oh, you've enticed me with this you know, book that— But he left a note. He did. He left a note. He said, don't worry. I'm going to bring the book back. Don't worry. I'm going to bring the book. I've stolen from you, but I, I will return the stolen goods. This doesn't work too well in the BMW dealership. It does I've not. I've left notes, and still they get a little upset when you're driving down in a 350i. Pulled an OJ Simpson, huh? Yeah. you like, guys, stop coming after me. I'm Put doing the speed limit. I left a note. I did. Gosh. And I owe you. <laughs> It'll be right back. I just have to go down here. I wanted to get a Pepsi, and they wouldn't give it to me. Then, uh, yeah, so he goes to his school. Yes. Which is where he was already heading. Uh, He looks in the window, and I got to tell you, (laughs) the door to this classroom looked like a prison door. It was this big metal door with a tiny little slot at the top of like this break-proof glass. Viewing and, window so yeah. you could look in on the prisoners. He had to climb day. up on a thing to look through this viewing window into his class, and it was his math class. And he's like, oh, no, math test. You know what? I ain't going to this screw math that. test. Yeah, screw that. Instead, I'm going to run down the hallways, which no one notices he's doing. Yeah. And then he goes... With sneaker noise. And- sneaker noise and everything. <laughs> Well, they didn't really pay attention to kids that much back in the 80s, That's true. right? Yeah. They were like, ah, they'll be fine. <laughs> so Seen, not heard. Then yeah. he goes to this. This is the weirdness. All right. I, I went to school in the early 90s, which is close enough to the 80s, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I don't remember any schools being like this. He goes up to this uh, door that's like around a corner, out of the way. And there's a breakaway glass box that says attic and inside of it is the attic key true and it already was broken which is the funny part it was literally already broken so the key was just there was there some kind of attic emergency apparently we really need to get into this attic yeah so he just grabs it and goes into the attic and he like locks himself in he takes yeah. the key with him at first of all who keeps keys to the attic in a breakaway box like at what point would you have an emergency where you need to get into the attic? Lazy janitors. In a breakaway box, though? It was a breakaway. Like, 
there's no point in it being a breakaway box if it's not locked, which means you already need a key to get to the freaking key. You need a key to get to the key. To Maybe get in to Germany the things are different. Ah, we really need those old theater production skeletons, which there are plenty of in that freaking attic. <laughs> there's tons of them. There were so many. The, the other thing, too. Uh, what school has an attic? None of my schools. That's true. I'm sitting here trying to think. Unless it was an old school attic. I mean, it must. It couldn't have been that big of a building. Schoolhouse, because it was like an attic, attic like you would expect in a house. Yeah, it was rect, uh, a triangle shaped attic, so they had a, a slanted roof. Obviously, none of my schools ever had slanted roofs. And I went to some older schools too. They all had flat top roofs because they were big buildings, you know, enough to hold a couple hundred kids. Again, this had to have been Wolfgang's vision and what he grew up with, because I'm sure there's plenty of schoolhouses in Germany. It could also be whatever was written in the book. True. He was trying to stay true to that. Oh, the book, by the way, was written by a dude named Michael End, or Endy. It was a book that was written when? It was a book that was written and published in 1979. Was it a German book? It was a German book, yes, by so, Michael End. All right, Which so, is confusing to me, having looked that up, because a production on this movie started right around then, too. So it must have been one of those, like... Wolfgang said, Attenbitter, good to see you. Can I speak to you, Michael? He says, Mr. End, damn it. And then he says, I want to make a movie about the book. I just finished it. And then he wrote a book, and he says, I want to make an attic on Discoverle. Is it true that the attic... Is part of the school, and then he said, "Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, an attic in the school. I mean, where else is he going to go? The basement." Exactly. And then he started working. Dankeschön. And then he started working on the movie. Ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe he got an advanced copy of the book, and it maybe just wasn't proofread yet. <laughs> Here's twenty million dollars. Can you give me seven for the film? And that's what happened. So yeah, this attic, uh, very creepy looking place. Yeah, um, very gray. Very gray. There's only like musty. One, there's like a you know a little vent like addicts have, uh, letting in a little bit of light. Uh, a window, uh, very small, way up high. Mm. Uh, a couple of you know tiered storage areas. Uh, definitely super dusty. Uh, you can see the light, you know, in the dust. Yeah, a lot of pallets. A lot of stuff. Just yeah. stuff in general, like old school stuff. You know, if there was a... No pun intended. There must have been a production at one point of Hamlet, uh, because there was definitely just a skull yep. hanging on the shelf. Like you do. Hanging out there, yep. yep. And for a movie that, you know, we've already established is probably for kids, it seems kind of creepy to have a shot in which he is opening the book for the first time, and behind him over his shoulder is a skull on a shelf. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's dark. It's, it's a dark kids movie. Is that just an eighties thing? That I, must have been an eighties thing. Just having everything with this noir darkness to it. Well, I think the movie wasn't the movie Dark Crystal. Yeah, Dark Crystal in the eighties. I'm even um, thinking back to a movie that came out the year that I was born, The Land Before Time. That is literally a movie. That is an apocalyptic movie, but it's a children's movie. True, It's rated Y7, but the world is ending, and there is a death scene in the very beginning in which the main character's mother is murdered by a Tyrannosaurus. There was a lot of nuclear talk with Reagan 
going on in that time period. You think of Cold War Syndrome? And Is I, that why movies were so and dark? I think so. And I think of Cold War Syndrome, but I also think of all the Armageddon crap that was going on. Um, Pat Benatar's music videos was about a post-apocalyptic time. and Death Clock, yeah. Mad Max was, you know, the Thunderdome was going on. And yeah, all those movies. So, so yeah. I so mean, I like it. I don't know if that's just because of my age, but, like, I love that feel. And actually, you know what? It's not even because of my age. Because I can tell you right now that that trend is coming back a little bit. That movie feel. Thanks, Korea. That ambience that, that existed in those 80s films, it's coming back. Just think to yourself about... Uh, Stranger Things, one of the most popular yes. series to ever come out, based in the 80s, very dark and and stylized. You know, A lot of awesome sci-fi added in there as well. Mm, yeah. And, yep. uh, but yeah, that, that, was, that was it. That was just the image that reflected what was going on I suppose so. Life. And so now we're on the verge of another apocalypse? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of zombie movies coming up, oh, as boy. if we haven't had enough. And then, after that, um, I'm sure we're going to have a... If you notice, there's been a big trend of 80s-style stuff. Like that, you said, yeah, Stranger Things and stuff like exactly that. exactly what we're saying. Even movies that were shot, and they, they add, I don't know, for lack of a better term, filters to it, to make it look like you're watching it on a VHS tape. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, and those are called the good times because of the fact that we survived them. Nothing <laughs> happened, and we're still here. And then, so we reflect on that because it's safe. And we have no clue what's going to happen tomorrow at all, Lewis. This could be our last show, or it could be one of 500. Well, I hope after they uh, sift through all the rubble, they could find some recordings of this podcast and be like, ha-ha, this is what it was like. This is what they did. They watched movies. And they and sat made on their of, asses and recorded. Made fun of Native Americans it. and Well, I mean some some of them <clears throat> some of them made fun of Native Americans, not all of them. Uh, not I. <laughs> some of them did. Uh yeah. So that all being said, oh, speaking of VHS, this movie came out on Laserdisc. How cool is that? That's awesome. That's pretty cool. That is awesome. Laserdisc was like a giant C D. It was a a, a record sized C D. Uh, vinyl record sized CD, four eighty p baby, six eighty by four or six forty by four eighty. Yep, it was the hot thing. Yep, digital they, stereo, digital stereo. What? But I know, right? <laughs> and then on top of that, it was um, uh, um, an MPG. The the movie was it was an MPG file. One of the first digital uh, formats that you could buy as a consumer. True. Yeah. Jaws came out in 1979 on Laserdisc. Yeah, pretty cool. Huh? And uh, yeah, I always wanted a player so badly just to see how crappy the video was. I used to watch old science videos when I was in school on Laserdisc. That's so awesome. <laughs> and they were so crisp and, and clean. And I'm not even that old. It's, yeah. just, it's just a thing, you know. Our school system sucks. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Uh, a quick rant by Lou. So this is the first time that he actually opens the book and starts reading the book. Yes. And it opens up even with a dark narrative, you know, oh, the rumbling in the forest. But then you're immediately introduced to Rockbiter, uh, Teeny Weeny. Uh, I forgot the goblin's name. That's a name Shelley gave me for some reason. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, anyways, so he reads the book, right? Yes. And it immediately starts out dark. But then it also gets a little bit goofy. 
you're introduced to the little goblin character. You're introduced to the uh, tiny Indian guy, um, both of which have some kind of a, a mount. They have um, uh, the goblin dude has a very sleepy bat. Yes. That has a harness that he can uh, basically hang glide on the bat with. Right. And then uh, the tiny Indian dude has... Jar Jar Binks. Uh, Jar Jar Binks snail. Yeah. Which is a racing snail. Very fast. Very fast snail. Just not for any particular reason. It's uh, is it is it a really big snail? And Rockbiter is just gigantic, or is Rockbiter like human sized? And this will never tiny. understand because Rockbiter. No, Rockbiter was Rockbiter is trail. gigantic. Rockbiter yeah. is gigantic. And he was yep. with the trio when he was talking about his hands. Right, I remember. So, yeah. but the Jar Jar Binks, I think, was modeled. By somebody who didn't know what he got his vision from. But I guarantee you, he got it from that damn snail. The name of the land that they are in, that, that it, this all takes place in, in the book, The NeverEnding Story, is called Fantasia. And, I mean, it's right there in the name, the origin of it. It's all fantastical. Yeah. Fantastic, is what I meant to say. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, fantasia Yeah, it's fantastical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is kind of uh uh in this fantasy vibe uh none of it is based on you know r- real world uh you know old timey nonsense there's no technology in it uh of any kind you know no tvs or radios or any of that kind of stuff but it is uh it's just very uh surreal very yeah um, Wonderlandish. Rockbiter is, for whatever reason, uh, driving this like Flintstones mobile. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's got no motors, but it goes. And you see it right away in the beginning of the film. I mean, that's right what's coming at you. That is the rumbling in the forest. Is yeah. Rockbiter, who, by the way, is this massive rock-eating monster. But he's very polite. He's friendly. A polite mountain, if yeah. you will. It was a pile of rocks. Amazing guy. He goes, rubble, rubble. No, he doesn't. Uh, he had to rubble, rubble. He had toenails. He kind of did. They were yeah. chiseled, but they, he had them. He was almost uh, a living statue. Yeah. A massive living statue. Yeah. Um, who eats rocks. And it's it's very uh, goofy, the interaction that these three characters have. Yeah. And that's when you also find out something's happening to Fantasia. Oh, no. There's always something going wrong in a fantasy world. There, yeah. There is always. If you find yourself in a fantasy world, look twice, my friend. Something's going awry. Yeah, you're right. There really is, isn't there? Yeah. There's you know always what? I, something. I challenge you, listeners, write in the comments or whatever. Email any us. fantasy world that isn't having some kind of a crisis. Exactly. You'd be hard pressed to find one. That's what I'm saying right here, right now. Mm. And I think we all need to unite and come up with a fantastical fantasy world. That's just fine. And don't give me Disney World. Might be a boring book. Yeah, it would be. So what happens next, sir? They tell you about the what? They tell you about... It's nothing. Yeah. It's called the nothing. The nothing. The nothing. It's almost as if someone is erasing the world. Everything is just turning into as if nothing is something. 
But it's nothing. But it's nothing. Yeah. And they even kind of do that when they're trying to describe what's happening to the world. You'd be like, is nothing. it a hole? One of them says, you know, well, was there a hole? And he'd be like, a hole would be something. This Wouldn't it? was nothing. Duh. Yeah. Uh, very. Dumbass. Uh, <laughs> is what he said. Very cerebral uh, context there, but. Yeah. Uh, so Fantasia is, I don't want to say under attack, but it's kind of eroding. It's, it's getting devoured by this nothingness. And these characters, they're all emissaries heading to, uh, what was it called? The something palace or the tower or the Emerald palace, the city of shining towering light, the twin cities. Twin yep. Peaks. The well, whatever it was called, the the tower, the where the Empress lives, uh, the Empress of Fantasia, the Death Star. They're all going there to beseech her yeah. for help because she's help. she's sick. Yeah. Well, they don't know that yet. That's true. They don't know. But it. she is the Empress. She's got powers. You know? Yeah. Uh, so they're all off there to get some help. <laughs> and that definitely. My home is uh, literally disappearing into nothingness. Could you maybe, you know, help us out a little bit? There was a song. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Well, gotta have something. Well, you do gotta have something. But there's nothing. But there was nothing. Uh, oh, man. What was the palace called? Yep. You gotta look it up. Oh, let me talk to, to Cortana. Hey, what was the name of the palace in the never-ending story? Ivory Tower. It was the Ivory Tower. That's a lot of elephant tusks. <laughs> so the deal is, they're all heading off to the Ivory Tower. Okay? Yeah. They, they gotta, you know, get help from the Empress. A lot of <laughs> A lot of help. You know, how do you fight nothing with something, probably? I don't know. You need something to fight nothing. Yeah. Um... And they show up at the Ivory Tower. I have a problem with it being called Ivory Tower. I really do. Uh, the first thing being, there's no way that whole tower is made out of ivory, even in a fantasy world. And the second thing was, there were a whole bunch of different weird peoples there, and one of those peoples were like elephant peoples. Those peoples would be so pissed off. They'd be like, oh, really? Made of ivory? Huh? Yeah? You made this whole tower out of my tusks? Jerks. Well, this is where some of the money for the movie came from. It was actually made by the soap. Oh, Ivory soap. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. I find that highly... That's why it always smelled so good. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You don't believe it? <laughs> I don't believe it. No. <laughs> um, uh, the dude, uh, not Samuel L. Jackson, who had a fin on his head for yes. some reason. Yeah. Uh, Ky- he was an Chiron? That's what we call him? Chiron? Chiron is his, his real name, yes. Yeah, his character's name. Um, he, I guess he's like the hand to the Empress. He says... Uh, yes, we are aware of the situation, blah, 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 political talk. And then he says... Uh, In vibrato talk. Because he would go, we are aware. He talked very, very melodramatically. Yes. He really did. We are aware of the situation. And he's talking to this big group of people from all over all these different lands in Fantasia. Two faces. Oh, yeah, two faces and three faces and oh quadra faces. There God. were a lot of peoples with lots of faces. A lot of freaky-looking people. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of makeup work went into this scene because there Creativity. were, like we were just saying, people with double faces, uh, faces that were, like, stretched apart. Yeah. Uh, there were the giant head people. 
that look like uh, the Easter Island Stonehead Stonehead people. Exactly. Uh, There was a fish. Did you see that too? Yeah, I saw a fish. You didn't really get to see it close up, but there was just a fish, a standing fish. He was standing on his tail. He was standing. Maybe that's why the dude had a a fin on his head. He was an aquatic. Maybe a halfling. Yeah. Like a dude, you know, was like, oh, that's a good looking fish. And then he was born. So if he was normal, (laughs) would he be a holing? I don't know. Just a ling? (laughs) <laughs> that's a panda oh right uh i don't know if there were any panda creatures though but there were definitely all of these very 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 creative for lack of a you know different term fantastic creatures exactly in fantasia in fantasia yeah um and then he says uh you know we've sent out and uh tom petty was there tom petty no go ahead <laughs> <laughs> We've sent out for this warrior uh, from the uh, plains people who fight the purple buffalo, or mm-hmm. not fight, you know, hunt the purple hunt buffalo. Hunt the purple, purple which is buffalo. Uh, very much a, a Native American imagery immediately. Yeah. You know, uh, and of course, Atreyu comes along, and he's just a kid. He's, uh, I think, maybe during the filming of this, he was in his early teens. True. Probably had maybe not hit puberty yet. I don't know. Not Just a, a hair. A young kid uh, who also has, like we said before, Native American heritage. Yes. And he shows up and he's got like uh, a very cliche Native American uh, uh, garb. Yeah. Yeah. Leather. Like a leather vest, yeah, thing. Um, he's got a bow and arrow and like a hatchet or something. Uh, but then uh, the dude, Chiron, he's like. Who the hell are you? I don't know who you are. Get out of here, kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's like, all right, in, in I'll more, go. In more or less words. He's like, all right. <laughs> He's about to leave. And then Chiron's like, uh, no, no, wait. Uh, no, uh, no. I'm I, sorry. I guess if you are actually a Treyu, uh, we got to send you on this quest. Uh, you're going to have to go uh, kill the nothing or whatever. Right. I don't know what they actually expect him to do, but they do give him weird you know, conditions of his quest. They're like, oh, yeah, um, you can only go alone, so you can't have any help. Oh, and you have to leave all your weapons behind. I'm sorry. We're really trying to make this as difficult as possible <laughs> for you. Because, uh, you know, it won't work if we allow you to, you know, take the easy way. And he was cool with it. And he was like, I guess if it's for the Empress, whatever. Yeah. You know, she's sick. I don't really want to let her down. The so, Empress is sick yeah. and you must Everyone, everyone loves make... the Empress. I don't know what she did. Free health care? I, I, what? Probably. Everyone I don't think she was Canadian. I, um, I don't know. Oh, she's probably German. German has free, free yeah. health Oh, that's true. I forgot. Oh, um, I totally forgot to talk about the uh, actress that played this. This is going to be super quick, too, because uh, there's not much out there about her. Her name. Don't was, say her name yet. Well, I'm not going to say her actual name because she's always referred to as the childlike empress. Ah, okay. Does that mean she's like, you know, very old, but she just constantly looks like a child? Maybe that's what her magical, mystical, fantastic life thing is. She must have had a long reign over Fantasia if she doesn't age. Oy, that's got to be heck. Everyone loves her because they don't know better. They don't know what she did way back in the day. Built a wall. I think she was messing around with Tiny <laughs> Whiny or Teeny Weeny. Teeny or whatever Weeny. Her name is. That's why he was sneaking in the window. Oh, uh, her name silly. is Tammy Stronach. Stronach? Stronach? Uh, she's half Scottish, <laughs> half Israeli. 
Um, wow. She basically did this and had like two other acting credits when she was a child and just got out of the industry. One was a shredded weed commercial. I, that's just another example of... Uh, no, I don't think it was. No, I don't think It so. was something weird. Uh, she moved to America to escape all the bullshit that was happening in his, Israeli, uh, Israel at the time. Yeah. And um, she eventually moved back. And she still lives there today. So, so something improved. Well. They got rid of the nothing. In life. <laughs> yeah, they finally got rid of the nothing that mm-hmm. was enveloping Israel. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's all about her. Wow. That's pretty much it. So she's sick, and then they got to fix it. Yep, and it's apparently maybe uh, intertwined, her sickness and the nothing. Either the nothing is causing it, or her sickness is causing the nothing. Hard to tell, but some <laughs> is happening. And so <laughs> he heads out on his quest. He rides his horse, Artax. And he's looking for a cure. Off into the distance. I don't know if he knows what he's looking for. He, he does. knows where he has to go. He does know what he's supposed to be looking for. He's supposed to be looking for a cure to to make her better. And he's searching well, all the... that's ambiguous. The, the, well, that's what they said. I, I swear they did. They, they, he well, must that, find a cure. That's what I mean by he doesn't know what he's looking for. No, he, he doesn't. knows what his goal is, but he doesn't really know well, what he's he talks, looking Well, he talks to the different village people along the way. He does. This is the adventure part of the story. Yeah. Uh, 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 what's his face? Bastion is reading this. Uh, they cut back to him every once in a while. Uh, and he's like, whoa, cool. Tubular. I don't know what they said in the 80s. <laughs> this is it's so like, gnarly. Gnarly. Uh, <laughs> Hang and, 10. And they just keep on telling the story. But wasn't there a point where he screamed? There was. So this is kind of the the device of the, the movie, uh, the whole thing that the bookkeeper said. You know, it, this is more real than your normal story, than your, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. True. That kind of thing. It's... Uh, it, it, it's alive. It's, yeah, kind of alive. Um, I thought it happened more. I When I remembered this movie... I remembered the real world and Fantasia being more more connected. But there's really only a few moments. And then, of course, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Well, if you haven't, you know what? If you haven't watched the movie and you're listening to this podcast, why don't you pause it? Go watch the movie. You should. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. You could also get it on Amazon for $2.99. You could probably get it at your public library. Seems like the kind of movie they would have. So just go find it. Find a friend that has a DVD. Or go online and watch clip one of 25. On YouTube, yeah. And go um, two, three, four, five, six, In a seven. tiny box. Um, um, but yeah, his uh, there was a point where he, sc- he, he screamed. He got scared. He yeah. screamed, and uh, Treyu heard it. Heard he was kind of like, oh, what was that? <laughs> like, and that wouldn't this odd. be like one of the first movies, at least in my life, that ever broke that fourth wall? Well, that's not really a breaking of the fourth wall, because he's not addressing us, the viewers. If anything, it's breaking... Atreyu's fourth wall. Yeah. And then we would be a kind of fifth wall. What, what's his first? Where, where does he go first? The first place he goes is there's like a bunch of flowers everywhere. And this is where he talks with uh, uh, the the tiny teeny and Jar Jar Banks and then the other stuff. And then the, the guy rolling around and he, he gets to know them a little bit. And then they say, we have nothing to help you. 
you know, with the Empress or, or, but they give him warnings about the nothing and how it's taken out different areas. They have experience with the nothing. Right. But otherwise they're useless. And, uh, and then, then you see how fast this little, um, Jar Jar Bink snail is. I just can't believe how much Jar Jar ripped off this snail. And, uh, and so then he ends up in the muddy. Ah, oh, the swamp. The swamp Sorrows. area where, where, uh, Elmer's glue is made. Oh my God. And this is the part. Listen, people, when you're watching this movie, and I assume you already have, so I'm going to sympathize with you here. This is one of the saddest parts in the movie. It truly is. He goes to the Swamp of Sorrows. And, I mean, it's called the Swamp of Sorrows. So, very appropriately, it's a sad, sad scene. Yes. But he goes to the Swamp of Sorrows. To, and he meets up... Uh, does he meet up with the, the big-ass turtle first? He... No. He meets up with the big-ass turtle after... Right. So, he's in the Swamp of Sorrows. And it's a very, like... It, it will get you uh, in a, a little down in a very mental way. He it's dark, it's foggy. Yeah, uh, there's like no life really. All the trees that exist are just dead and rotting. It is yucky. It is a gross place, and he's like knee deep in this just manure, sooty mud. It's gross. It, it does. It's gross, and he's trudging along as best as he can, dragging his horse through this stuff. Trying to keep his mood up. Yeah, he has to keep his mood up because the Swamp of Sorrows is not only just a swamp, but there's a little mystical quality to it. And it's depressing. If you let yourself get down, it will take you down. Yeah, it'll literally. suck you down. It will suck the, you in. To the Swamp of Sorrow. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where That's, uh, your mental state will affect your environment around you. And I know you. this is the part you're trying to avoid. Oh, no. But the horse. Oh, God. The poor horse. He must have been suffering from depression. Didn't take his Lexapro. He gets tracked into the swamp. And he gets sucked down into... He dies. The horse. The horse, Kevin. That's a big horse, and he gets all sucked things, into the mud. The horse. And the horse... It, when you see it, self-doubt in a horse is Atreyu bad. is yelling, "Hartex, no, Hartex, you have to stay positive." And and he's just sinking deeper into the mud. He's getting sucked down, and oh, and well, the tragic. poor horse is depressed already because it's named after a feminine hygiene product. Is it? I wouldn't know. I don't use. Them. I don't know. I don't <laughs> use them either. But so that's depressing. And then he's in this muddy area where there's nothing but fog. And he's thinking, you know, oh, I'm a white horse getting muddy. Yeah, this that too. Sucks. The juxtaposition, I mean, if anything, he is the one thing that looks pure in this environment of uh, dirt and grime and gush shadows and just mishmash. Uh, yep. So he, he dies. He gets, he gets dragged down. He gets dragged down, disappears. And, and of course, you know, Atreyu was trying to stay positive, right? So this is like one of the worst things that could happen. His beloved <laughs> horse, the only thing coming along with him. one of the worst things that could happen. While in you're in the Swamp of Sorrows, of course. Is to have your horse die. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's his only traveling companion. Yeah, that's true. Now he has to walk. And now he's alone, and he has to walk, too, which is just a pain in the ass. Horses are much faster than people. Much faster, and it's a lazy way of getting around. He, you don't have to walk anymore. So at some point, he's in the swamp. He comes across the person that he was there to see, which isn't a person. It's a giant turtle. That sneezes. A huge turtle. Like, 
massive, like city block sized turtle. Yeah. Um, it even has like trees and moss and crap on its back. True. He sees it in the distance and he thinks of it as what, a hill or a mountain Yeah, he or thought it was like a hill and he was resting and thinking about his yep. beloved horse, which now is Elmer's Glue. And then he, all of a sudden the, the hill lifts Rises up. up. Another of- one of those amazing visuals that this movie was great for is just making you actually think that there is a giant turtle there how come, without using CGI. How come he was, the horse dies, wouldn't he get depressed and sink as well? Well, I mean, that does eventually happen. Uh, I think he's still holding on to hope because he assumes that this per- this you know thing that he's going to find in there is going to be the answer to you know his okay. problem. So I think he's still holding on to that. But then the turtle basically is like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know nothing, yeah, and I'm I don't care. I'm send you off somewhere else. I I'm don't a actually have the answers. So. And my emotions are as slow as my self. And then, you know, and he sneezes a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Atreo climbs up on a tree to get slightly closer to his level. Um, and it really, it does. It looks astonishing. I gotta say, even for a movie made in the eighties, yeah, like they you, did a good job with uh, really good the job. the in deception. What did they call perception? Like uh, putting the turtle real close to the camera, and he's staring at it. They did this a couple of times in the film. Um, the difference in height and size, and yeah, they, they was used camera tricks. Work. There might have even been a little bit of uh, blue screening and stuff in there too, but it was just possibly yeah, really really neat looking. So he he sends him on his way, and Atreyu is just by himself, tromping through the, the mush. Mush, and then he starts to get dragged down, because you know now he's lost the hope that he had. His horse is dead. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't just take one step in there and just immediately sink to the bottom, because. <laughs> He was really holding on. I mean, that's some mental fortitude, if you ask me. Yeah, you you got all of it adding up, and yeah. then you're feeling like crap. Plus, you think you heard voices. It's probably cold too. Kids wearing barely anything. The I whole know. Freaking movie. one hide. Yeah. And uh, so, what happens? He sinks. He he's down, and just as his head is going under the water, who comes along? <laughs> yeah! Falcor, the luck dragon, who looks like twice as long as a wiener dog. And sperm. Doesn't look like a dragon. Got Not at all. No. I mean, of course, it depends on what culture you're talking about a dragon in, but I haven't really seen any that look like a long, shaggy dog with a few shiny scales on its back. <laughs> Not yet. Nope. Never been to the pound and saw one of them. But you know what? That's the great thing about this movie is it's inventing all of these characters. True. Giant rock biting monster, racing snail. And he uh, had some really heavenly eyes. He had big eyes. It was he had big puppy dog eyes. This is so cute. Oh. Um So he swoops down and saves him. Saves him. Saves a tray. Brings him somewhere. I don't know. Somewhere so, further along in his journey. I, I would uh, attribute a Treyu if we were comparing this to the movie Lord of the Rings. Attribute a Treyu, that was funny. I, I'm sorry. I would attribute Falcor to uh, the Falcons, or the Eagles, rather, from Lord of the Rings. Ah. Because they are kind of the ones who you're like, oh, well, they can just very easily transport me to where I need to go. Yeah. But they don't come along right away, or they're not sought after right away. It just kind of shows up. Because, well, he's a freaking luck dragon. 
and Atreyu got lucky. He's and about to die. Luck dragon comes along. I wish I had a luck dragon. I tell you what, right now. <laughs> well, that's why we have lottery to keep the luck dragons away. Oh, are you sure the lottery doesn't fund luck dragons? No. Mm. I'm not sure. I wish I could call upon a luck dragon. We'll get into what Falcor does later in the movie. Surely. But he is uh, he's along. Where does Falcor take him next? He picks him up. He brings him to some kind of cliff overlooking like this beautiful nonsense <laughs> scenery. <laughs> he sure does. And he's got him all tucked in and he cleaned him up. Yeah, somehow he cleaned him up. He I assume him up. he licked him. Ugh. I mean, he's a dog. God. How do dogs clean things? They, I don't know, but he them. sure did wink at the kid a lot. Yeah, he did wink. I don't know if that was the animatronics going all wonky or <laughs> exactly. Or if he was like, "Hey, kid, I'm a luck dragon." Wink. Uh, <laughs> Bing. There was a lot of that. Yeah, he with explains, those big eyes. He explains to him, "I'm a luck dragon," and Atreyu explains, "I'm on a quest to save the world," and he's like, "Oh, cool." And <laughs> and then he laughs again. He uh, laughs a lot. Where, oh, he was uh, mm. at that point. He's near goblins, right? Or yes. goblin people. And he meets up with this, uh, they're kind of cute. I mean, they don't look cute. They're ugly as hell. They're goblins. Yeah. But this cute older couple. I said that that, the guy looked like you. Get the, get out of here. Yeah. I don't look like a goblin. No, but without the tooth, the pointy ears, the bald head, and the white hair sticking out everywhere. It kind of so, looked like so you. So pretty much, uh, without all of the features that define the goblin, I kind of look like him. Is that a little what you're bit. saying? Oh, all right. I guess I can see that. <laughs> and then uh, Shelly said that I look like the wife with the teeth. I think I know what we're cosplaying as, Kevin. Oh, we can do this. We could pull this off. Uh, he's like an, an inventor, like a wacky inventor type dude. Yes. Uh, and an astronomer. He's got a big old telescope. Uh, and all these wacky little inventions, lots of pulleys and, and he's a scientist. Gadgets. He, yeah, he's a scientist. He makes well, a big he deal. Declares that quite a few, quite times. a few times. He says, yeah. "Don't you love science?" Yeah, he's yeah. the only scientist, and it's very rudimentary science too. But it's science in yeah, a that world that has tooth. magic and stuff like that. Yeah, science, science. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he points out uh, the two uh, statue. Ladies, the gate. The one we were talking yep, about. He's with like, the, oh, uh, man, I can't believe you. you got to go through there. And here's how. I'm going to tell you how, but I'm not really going to help you at all. No. Uh, and, of course, uh, is this the point when he's looking through the, the telescope and he sees the dude coming through? Yeah, this is when he the does. knight shows up. Yep. Uh, the little goblin character. He's like, oh, look, we have a, what, what do you call him? A We've, he, I think he says we got one. That's we all I remember. One. We yeah. got one. And he watches through the telescope. It's like, come here and watch him go through. <laughs> as this knight attempts to make it through the He's gate. He's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. And they're so excited to see this guy die. A little sadistic, aren't they? Yeah, a little bit. Well, they're goblins. Well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he gets zapped. He gets zapped by the laser eyes. He apparently didn't have the, the faith or he, the lack of fear. Well, he looked up and saw the humongous prestices. And He's, then... He was like... Bazongas. They didn't tell me there were going to be bazongas. That's exactly what he said. If you listen, it was Well, it was through a telescope, so you couldn't hear what he oh, was saying. Oh, that's true. You no. just see him. Bazonga. He you might know, have been. His mouth. He might have been yelling. Oh, oh, yeah. So Atreus like, oh, oh right, well. another thing. Swamp of Sorrows, Dead Horse. I got to make it through this thing now too. He's been put through a lot, and he does. He he leaves. Oh. It, where did Falcor go at this point? Falcor was like, 
well, my job is done here. Yeah, he I just, could easily fly you over that thing. That's why he's. That's like what I told Shelly. I was like, "Gosh, just go over the thing, then you don't have to worry about it." I'm a luck dragon. I strike when you least expect it. Right. You know, I, that's it. I'm not like a do stuff for you, dragon. Yeah, I think Falcor <laughs> said as he was leaving to go through this area. I think Falcor said, "Good luck." I think also Falcor uh, might have been subconsciously aware of the rules of this quest, which True. were he had to do it alone. He does have to. This was the only time that test. he met you know any kind of uh, companion along the way that could help him. You know, besides the people that he runs into, but this is the only one that actually like you know literally saved him and brought him somewhere else. True, which I don't count because he was like unconscious for it. So yeah, that's he only helps him when he's knocked out. <laughs> That's Falcor, <laughs> silly Falcor. Uh, he comes up to this crazy stone gate, right? Yeah, yeah. So the big Bazanga ladies, uh, with their closed eyes, when the eyes start opening, you're they, in trouble. They start shooting their yeah. little eye rockets, eye lasers. Whatever. Yeah, they were kind of lasers, LASIK surgery, lasers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's just kind of slowly walking through. He passes the night. Another point at which I question, is this a child's movie? Because you got these... Uh, melted... We got bazongas. We got the bazongas. But you had the, the face on the night. Face melted night. Yeah. yeah. Pops open the faceplate and he's like... He, brisket. He looked like a brisket. He did look like a brisket. I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm a little hungry too. But <laughs> for night brisket. Yeah. <laughs> Good old night brisket. It's too mm. early right now for that. Very but, royal brisket. So he and then he gets up there, and what happens? Well, I guess he starts to doubt himself again. No, he saw the boobs. We, yeah, that you know what? That's exactly what it was. They really got to do something about those boobs. They need giant stone bras. Is what they need. They need giant stone brassiers. <laughs> he look. He's he's watching them, and then the eyes start opening, and he's probably freaking out more at that point. He's like, yeah. "Oh, great! They saw me looking." <laughs> exactly. Busted. And no pun intended. Here's the crazy part. Uh, uh, another one where he just dodges, uh, you know, death narrowly. They do shoot the lasers. But, but he runs through but it. But he just kind of like does a little a roll. He's like, ah, I dodged it. And he gets through. And then all of a sudden, the two little goblins freak out. And they're like, he made it. He yeah. made it. And go down his like zip line basket thing. Yeah. And he goes down the basket thing and. A little bit of, uh, you know, a comic relief as he rolls out of the basket. Whoa! And we all go, oh, you goblins. He's got and, fans. And, and it was, and and then everybody's excited because he made it through. Why didn't the knight just do that? He saw the eyes opening. Would he just stand he there and go? Of course, he probably could have just gotten through much easier than that. I don't know. The rules of the game. It's Fantasia. Uh, where does he go after that? This is where he finally sees that mirror. Yeah, he goes to yet another, I don't know, for lack of a better term, biome. Uh, wow. Yeah, just... Uh, Word of the day toilet paper? <laughs> a video game term, mostly. Oh, okay, that was good. Um, uh, true. He's in icy world now. Yeah. He went from swampy, you know, foresty to swampy to uh, deserty to now he's in uh, icy. He's a, he's in the icy world. It truly is, you know, uh, the definitive you know epic type journey he's going to all these different areas and now he's in the icy place and he comes across some weirdo mirror man and he he puts his hand on it but this this is when he really starts interacting with like 
Bastion, right? He's already had a couple of experiences, and now he is, I don't know, becoming aware? Very aware, but not going to admit it yet. Or really, the awareness is on Bastion's side. Bastion is realizing, oh, the old man wasn't just, you know... Kidding. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't just tiddly-winking. He wasn't uh, secretly hoping that I stole this book, which clearly he was. Yeah. He's a mystical old man. You know, every good movie has a mystical old man. You need it to mm. make the movie. Especially uh, in a fan. I dare you to find a fantasy film that doesn't have that mystical guy working at the gas station or the bookstore. I, f- I feel like that's a little bit easier than our last challenge. But hey, why not? Okay, Put it true. in the comments. Send us some emails. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so... So he comes across the big boob ladies, but they're cold. Yeah, they're like the icy bitch versions of... Yeah. I guess, I don't know. I, do you think they reused the same prop? I bet you they did. I bet you they did, and they spray painted them. Yep, they just made it. They put the blue filter on. And, they put the, and then they start to let them destroy, because the nothing now is starting to get closer. And he, they're warning a tray of time is running out if you don't find something. They tell him some important crap, too, right? Well, yeah, they did. They tell, told him about... Uh, He's finally starting to get some answers. Yeah. He just had to meet the uh, boob ladies that don't want to laser beam his face into brisket. Yeah, they talk to him right away. They, hey, Trey, what's up, man? How's it going? Yeah. How's your quest? Ah, oh, yeah, your horse died. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's sad. That's sad. But yeah. hey, want to look at my boobies? Yeah, look at our boobies. <laughs> that should... Uh, <laughs> I was about to say that should get you up, but uh, let's not say that. <laughs> So so and but then their faces start to fall off because the nothing is getting closer. Yeah. Um notice their boobs were fine. Well, I'm sure. The, the heaviest end. item on them did not fall off, but their faces are falling apart. At least you didn't get crushed by a ditty. That'd be a bad way to go. That's nothing <laughs> nothing is worse. Yeah, um they they are just falling apart. Uh and it's it's one of those scenes too. I thought they did a really good job of making it seem like something very large was actually falling apart. Yeah. Um, you know, Slow motion Yeah, crumbling. they slowed it down, obviously, because things take longer to fall from high distances. You know, and larger classic objects. movie tricks. Uh, but it actually looked like a big, large statue was coming apart for the most part. Or at least, you know, I was more willing to suspend my disbelief. Exactly. At this point. Exactly. So. And, uh, and he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> we got it. We got to do something. What do I do? Doesn't he start screaming for Falcor at this point? I I think he does because the nothing starts. It, he almost gets caught. Okay, when does he come across the wolf? It's after Not this, yet. right? Yeah, yeah. It's after this. Oh, sorry, I forget I said anything. Don't say nothing. on Yeah, they've alluded to this uh, creature that is in the shadows with his glowing eyes, eyes. and his teeth, yeah, his <laughs> sharp teeth. He's a snarler. Yeah, I guess I, you know, whatever. Uh, He's <laughs> he not does. in sheep's clothing. He's, he starts getting sucked into the nothing. Or the nothing almost erases him. The wind starts to blow, and things start going nutty. Trees, oh, trees are, are uprooting, yeah. all except for the one that he's holding on to. It was a good tree. He picked a good tree. He picked a great tree, thank goodness, because his feet are starting to dangle. Yeah. Um, really having a bad day. It is a bad day, isn't it? In fact, the, one of the soundtrack songs, You had a bad day. Oh, I think that was just in the credits. Oh. In your mind. Sorry. <laughs> and um, 
And then, so what happens? He's going, Falcor! And Falcor does come along. Drew! So I guess it's not just <laughs> when he needs to be really lucky. I guess Falcor actually was, I don't know, was he just always like just behind him? Like well, He was hiding somewhere laughing his ass in off. In the freaking bushes. While they were floating with by. With binoculars going. He's like, <laughs> He's not going to be able to not look at the boobies. I know. I know he's going to look at those boobies. <laughs> he did have this big rolling laugh. It was, it was annoying. Cool. And so here comes Falcor. <laughs> and, and snatches him. Yeah. Saves him. Yeah. Good but, luck, dragon. Good luck, dragon. But what happened? What do you mean? Oh, he had the thing. We didn't even talk about the thing. The thing which is on the cover of the book, which I'm going to summate really fast. There was a snake thing on the front where one snake's eating another and it made a big, huge symbol, kind of like what's on the White Snake albums, but not really. And then, Ouroboros? Is that what they call it? Ouroboros? I don't know. I think so. I think that was it. Yeah, it was a form of Ouroboros. And it would protect him when he was out and about, given to him by Samuel L. Jackson with the fin. Yep, Chiron. Chiron, and then he said, look... On, on behalf of the uh, uh, Empress, I'm pretty sure. On behalf of the Empress, yeah. to protect him. Well, this sucker's gone now because the nothing pretty much blew it away. Yeah. It's gone. And so uh, it, now we go to where he's being saved, but at the same time, he's like, what am I going to do? I don't have any protection. And everything is like disappearing. Yeah. That's what happens. Well, Falcor had the thing. You fell asleep, didn't you? A little bit. <laughs> this is where you fell asleep. <laughs> All right, so Falcor, remember he goes down in the water because mm-hmm. that's where it ended up. Oh, yeah, it did. It ended up in the water. It was down at the bottom of the water. And Falcor, Falcor fetched, somehow it. went and fetched it like a good dog. Like a good dog, Luck Dragon. <laughs> uh, and then, but I think he ended up catching a cold or something. He was uh, worse for the wear. After all this. But, yeah, he fetches it and then gives it back to Atreyu. And then Atreyu finally, on the back of Falcor, ends up at the broken world, which is now outer space mixed with... Yeah, this is uh, kind of the point in the movie. You know, you see the the uh, second uh, pair of booby ladies um, getting destroyed. Uh, you know, the trees are being uprooted. This is like the Mud, final swelling dirt. of the nothing. Everything is being destroyed. It is being erased. Including the planet yep. of the, Fantasian the All of Fantasia. Just, just gonzo. And, you know, you know, Falcor does, uh, you know, saves the thing from the ocean. He saves uh, Atreyu. And at this point, it's like the, the final blow the world is almost entirely destroyed. It is fragments of rocks floating in space. And then finally... You Which s- looked pretty cool. By it the way. did. It really does. And it makes me wonder where Mystery Science Theater 3000 got their idea. Hmm. But anyway, so then you come across the ivory tower. Which somehow is on one of the last remaining fragments uh, floating there in space. Exactly. And, and it's still a tower. It's too. still a tower. You but don't know which way is up. Pieces but, pieces of it are starting to fragment. Yeah, They're falling apart. apart too. So the nothing is starting to take away what's left of Fantasia, which happens to be this... Uh, that was like the central point of Fantasia, too. Yeah. That was like the focal point. That's where the Empress was in her weird tower with the flowery thing at the top. And, That's it. And yeah. she, at this point, is really 
just like sick. And she she's like, and Atreo now is just beyond his brain is just mush now because he's like, what do we do? Holy shit. And blew out the speakers. <laughs> and uh, and the Empress is like, oh, Atreo, don't worry. This scene stuck in my head when I was a kid. Do you know that? I bet. This is one of the first, they're, they're like... they're really crying. They put crushes. onions in their faces to this get is the tears. The the childlike empress, that, that yeah. girl. Uh, She's crying. Tina Turner. What, what was her name? Tina, uh, Tina Jokoschnagenbuschen. Uh, I forgot her name already. I don't know. that girl. Uh, Tammy Wynette. Tammy, that was Yeah, it. Tammy something. And she she is, like, looking at Atreo saying, don't you know what needs to be done? No, I have no clue! And then she says... You know that I need something to make me better. What is that? And then, of course, Bastion is inside of the attic, and the and like the storms and stuff are. Yeah, brewing. there's a storm in real life happening. I yeah. don't know if the Fantasia was uh, affecting that somehow because they were becoming. I think it's entwined. becoming entwined. Yeah, and and Bastion's like. He throws the book across the attic floor, and he's like, "This can't be happening." He he says that a lot. He has a lot of uh, statements of disbelief. Yeah, a lot of doubt. And then he runs over and he grabs a book because, you know, he's he's got I, nothing I else. I shouldn't have thrown do. it. I got to keep reading. I got to keep reading. The book's not mine. I oh, wrote... and it's nighttime, too? How long has this kid been up here reading? I oh, mean, I God, know he's years. reading an entire book. He must have been up there for days. Yeah, for days. And uh, It's nighttime. And all he had was, a, was an apple. Yeah, he's starving, too, so he's probably slightly delirious. So he grabs the apple that was supposed to go to the teacher for the math test, and he starts eating it, and a mouthful, and he starts reading the book again. And uh, then we go back to the prince, empress. She says something along the lines of, like, uh, you know, oh, by the way, it was uh, never really about you. Um, yeah. I need the help of uh, the person in, reading the book. Or, in or which Atreo says, then what the hell was I doing? My horse died, bitch. What exactly. The, what are you talking about? It's not me. It's like, oh, I need a name. Uh, All I needed was a name. That's when they kind of transpose um, Bastion into Fantasia. Now, this is where this is where I'm going to bring up what I wanted to bring up before, and I shouldn't have, but I bring it up now. This is where Bastion, all of a sudden, it, it's all connected. Yeah. But... The the Empress now is looking at us into the camera and going, you were the, you know, you're watching this as well. So it's a story within a story, like you said, Inception. Story within a story, a story, but including us. This is when the fourth wall breaks down. I suppose. And you become part of this as well. Yeah. That's what this is trying to do is make everybody. This is also the point where I question uh, reality. Um, uh, the reality of the, the story, of the movie that we are watching, the yeah. never-ending story. Because up until this point, it is all a, a story, a, a movie about a kid reading a book. Right. And you are seeing the, the his uh, vision, you know, his uh, imagination of the never-ending story of Fantasia and of all these characters. But this is the point in the movie where it finally does connect with you, like break down that barrier of what's in the book and what's in reality. The fourth wall is gone. But the thing is, does any of that really happen? Or is it all still in his head? Is it written in a way in the never-ending story, the book that he's reading 
that makes him imagine the world like that? Or did he really just get like, boop, you're in the book now? Like, physically in the book. I think uh, physically, he does become part of this book. And it becomes his reality because he's writing Falcor. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Sorry, I got excited. That's a weird cheesy part at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it does kind of make you wonder, like, what's in his head and what's actually happening? Because I don't... I, I So much of the movie takes place in Fantasia, and then, you know, they cut back to reality, which does, in a very... Uh, defaming way kind of ruins the whole premise of the movie which is that this is all reality well that they wanted the the only thing that's going to make this empress any better is finally having a name instead of empress mm. so and she calls upon bastion to do it it says it's up to you to give me a name and she's looking at us and I'm thinking of names like Cassandra, Zelda. Yep. What do you need? I'll give you anything you need. Emily, you know? yeah. Do Something. I just need to say a name? Yeah, right. Edith, Edith Ann. Yeah, your name is Sarah. There and go. Uh, go for it. And uh, and then he's like, "Well, why does he say the name?" And, and then Atreo <laughs> freaks out and starts tattooing things. And so, <laughs> tattoos Moonchild on his tramp stamp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Makes a tramp stamp for. Her. And so. That's when Bastion runs to the window and goes, I'll give you a name. Yeah, he's not even reading the book anymore. Now he's just like, ah, I'm crazy. My mind broke. <laughs> and he flings the windows open. And he, and he screams something. And you can not understand. You really can't. It's uh, muffled out. This is one of those things that is like a weird fan theory type deal. Um, you know, what did he really say? Because it's very muffled. There's lightning. There's thunder. There's wind. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. And he you yells turn- out what sounds like Melissa Manchester. Yeah. It's like you can't tell. Moonchild. Right. Is what is kind of been decided upon that it's but if probably you put Moonchild. But if you put on the captions, which I did, it doesn't say anything. It's, it just says, it says what? Muffled yelling? It's, it says, um, uh, what does it say? Uh, untitled. Untitled. Oh, snap. And, and the reason that they did that is because they wanted to, and this is my theory, but I'm not sure. They wanted the, the the name not to be heard or anything because the person watching the movie could say their own name. Ah, they could input their own thing. This that's, is why I do the fourth wall the thing. engagement of the audience. Right. Yeah. So I could have said, you know, Hill, uh, Mildred. Mildred, Olga. Olga, anything. German names. And, yeah. <laughs> and Heidelschnickel. And she all of a sudden would have a name. And then you go back to the movie. Oh, well, the, the name, obviously, is Moonchild, named after his mom. Well, now I want to look at the book. Well, because in the book, does it just suddenly say, insert name here? <laughs> I don't know. We have to look. That's a good thing. We have to check it out. But I think in the book, it's Moonchild because of the fact that that was his mom's name. Yeah. Okay. That Yeah. And he named her after his mom. Who Wait a second. Away. His mom's name was Moon, Moonchild? That's what it said on Wikipedia. Freaking hippie mothers. I know, right? Just born in July or something. I don't get it myself. A little born bit of, on a full moon. Yeah. A little bit of what now is legal. And um, so then all of a sudden. They're in like darkness. 
Complete darkness. Absolute darkness. They're not... It's it's not even space anymore. Before it was space, now dark. No stars, no nothing. Absolute darkness. And a weird, like, touched by an angel light illuminates them, and uh, you can just see the princess. I, I was trying to say before, but I got distracted. Uh, when I was just a, a little kid, this was probably one of my first crushes. This is, like, I looked at this girl, and I was like, she is absolutely beautiful. And my little heart went, ba-doomp. And I just kind of was like, I wish. Like, if only, you know, she could be my girlfriend. We'd grow up old together. Innocent Miss little me, too. Not thinking, like, dirty thoughts. Moonchild like Palmieri. Moonchild Palmieri. Yeah. That would be awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> she wore a, a little too much makeup for her age. Well, she also was the childlike empress, so you don't know how old she was. Oh, that's a good point. She could be really old. 1920s. More than that. I don't know. Hmm. Does time even progress the same way in Fantasia? Who knows? They had a lot of tears on these kids. I know there's a lot of onions in the faces of these children. This was one of the scenes that really made me want to cry again. I don't know what it is about this movie. It just brings up the little bitch in me. Seriously, though, like, she is just no. pleading. She's like, you know, the world has ended. Please. It is, it is at the Save very verge of the end. You yeah. know, in any movie, you know, you you got a clock. Uh, uh, you got to send the laser beam down to a planet, and there's a clock ticking down, and you got to put in the secret code, and, you know, everyone's sweating, and there's gunfire. It's the same type of scene. Yeah. But in this movie, it's like any moment now. Any moment. There's just complete lack of existence. Not the even nothing. just destruction, just there will be And nothing. what an apropos name, the nothing. The nothing. Mm-hmm. So then there's nothing, and then the light, and then all of a sudden, what's going on? Uh, he makes a wish. And? Everything's good. Everything's wonderful. Oh, everything was undone. I made a wish, too, and it worked. Everything's undone, and all of a sudden, he's on the back of Falcor. Yeah, so everything comes back. You you get to see all the characters that you've seen so far: uh, Rock Biter and uh, Teeny Tiny and um, uh, Mini Indian. Mini Pearl. Yep, uh, that dude Deep. <laughs> Deep Roid. Yep, uh, the the towers back. All that stuff is is good. Is, thing his name wasn't him. It's good. Yeah. Apparently, that's all that needed to happen. I don't know. Atreyu must be just in a corner somewhere, going, "Why? What did I do? Like hemorrhoid? This is bullshit." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's on the back, and, and he's, he's like... He's on the back of Falcor. He's on Falcor, and Falcor's going... Aah! Yeah, he does. He's, I don't know. <laughs> he's like an old man when they lift something. He's just giving yeah. that kind of a grunt, like... Whatever he's, he says, go faster, Falcor. But not Whoa. only, he's not in Fantasia. That's the thing. He's not in Fantasia. No, he's on Earth. He's on Earth all of a sudden. That was the wish. Bring, yeah. bring the uh, sperm dog here to Earth. And also fix Fantasia. And yeah. fix Fantasia while yeah. you're at it. But and then and he bo- flies it. He skims the heads of the bullies who all go and hide in a dumpster appropriately. Yeah. Very and cool. do you know why he could do that? Because that goblin gave him a shot. You remember? The goblin gave the female goblin gave him that shot to make him feel better. Remember, he was sick. Yeah. Oh man, are you saying maybe once he got that shot, everything that happened after that is just a fever dream? I don't know, but that explains the. <laughs> yeah, so Bastion got a dragon, and then clearly uh, the kids end up in the, the dumpster. Realm of Fantasia is, I guess, a real realm, and it could also affect uh, the Earth 
realm. Exactly. And then the thing that would have made it perfect if the wish would be to bring my mother back in, that never entered his head. No, no. He was his like, mom you know, stayed screw, dead. I'm going to get a luck jack and beat up the bullies. <laughs> <laughs> screw the rest. I never knew my mom. All right, all right. And so the horse is that still That was dead. the whole movie. Uh, right. You know. Uh, never brought the horse back. Yeah, they got a quest. No, the horse did get No, back. yeah. Everything's, everything was good. Okay. At the end of the movie. Everything was totally fine. Yes. I guess that's all they needed was a good wish. We totally left out the evil wolf. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, there was an evil wolf whose uh, job it was to try and stop Atreyu. Yeah, he and, was uh, like the at nothing thing. At one point, thing. he does, instead of just following him and lurking in the shadows, he does actually attack Atreyu, and Atreyu kills him. Yeah, and that was during the scene with all the yep. trees going away. Okay, anyway, back to now. So yeah, that-, that that was during the um, the apex of of the destruction yeah of the sorry we left that out. it was just another thing another climactic moment this evil wolf with the snarling bite just really good animatronics on yeah that, thing, that was though. pretty cool i just the watch, nose watch the movie the, guys I'll yeah make, please do just just watch Gosh, the movie. watch it damn it if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it just go watch it smack right? yourself in the face and then go watch the movie and don't watch 10 minutes of it don't skip through it watch the whole yeah, thing you straight watch through it. With a little bit of popcorn, preferably at night, because it is a dark movie. Yeah. Just, just watch it. All right, guys? All right? Yeah. I'm talking to you. You. Yeah, you. you. No, you. Yeah, not you. The guy the guy right behind you. All right? Yeah, you. You. Yes, you. That guy. Yeah, that guy. Should there be a sequel? There was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I haven't um, seen it. And the sequels um, lay it out even more. If you were only to watch this movie, uh, the thing that I've been questioning the whole time, is it real? Is it really happening? Or is this all in his mind still Yes, the movies pretty much say, um, yep, it's real. Because in the sequels, there's this whole thing where uh, Fantasia starts spilling into the real world and all this other bonkers nonsense. You don't need to see the sequels, all right? They're a little weird. Maybe if you just want to be thorough, you can go ahead and do it. Or if you just want to see a movie. I think uh, the first sequel, Never Ending Story 2, I think it came out in 90. Okay. And then The NeverEnding Story 3, yes, there was a third. Uh, it came out in 94. Do you think that uh, if you just want any of that would have existed that. if he didn't read the book? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's called The NeverEnding Story, but there is an end to the movie. But there's a beginning to the story. But then there is uh, m- more movies. And there was also a TV show, too. Oh, God. Yeah, I think it was called tales of the never or tales from the never ending story or something like that. They, really, they, they really tried to lord the rings uh came puppy. out in 2001 yeah so if you want to check that out i'm sure it's somewhere i didn't bother youtube will have everything yeah you need. i did see the sequels the whole reason i saw the never ending story at all was because in 1994 uh, when the NeverEnding Story three was coming out, they had all these crazy promotions, and I think my mother went and bought the uh, first NeverEnding Story on VHS, and that's when I first saw it. So I was probably about eight, maybe. I was fourteen. Yeah. So that that's you know my first introduction into the NeverEnding Story was wow. about ten years after it came out. <laughs> I like even at fourteen, I thought it was amazing. Mm. You know, it was it was a little childish of course but then again i was childish at 14 so <laughs> it matched my last uh, the, yeah there didn't need to be a sequel though to answer the question appropriately yeah no, there, there no, did I not agree. need to be a sequel uh the sequels are a little weird um a little bit more uh, goofy just trying well. to make an explanation for what you saw in the first one uh not even i think it was just a cash grab oh 
I think that's all it really was. We could make another hundred million. Yeah, never ending story seventeen. Like the land before time. Right? Would, would you have done anything different in this movie? You know, because it's so near and dear to my heart, I feel like it's good the way it is. Um, but I probably would have at least in, in at least as far as storytelling is going, I would have introduced the idea of the two worlds, you know, the world of Earth and the world of Fantasia, uh, melding together a little bit earlier in the story. Yeah, because it felt like that's the point they were trying to get to, but it took them a long time for that to actually happen. Instead, you were just, you know, viewing the story from afar of Atreyu on his quest to save Fantasia. So very good. I would at least bring that up a little bit earlier. Um, and I would also just completely cut that whole Falcor flying through the streets at the end of the freaking movie. <laughs> that didn't need to happen. What was up with that? I don't know. All and right. I wouldn't have made Falcor laugh so much because he was a little too... I don't know if it was from the intravenous drug that Gosh, the goblin put in there, but he was a little too happy and winked too much. Yeah. Yeah, he was... Um, uh, Otherwise, excited. I liked every ounce of it. I think um, I would have had more Deep Roy in there. A little bit more of Teeny Tiny. A few more of the ancillary characters probably would have been pretty good. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's a very stylized movie. It is. It's very, um, you know, I don't want to keep on using the word dark, but it is. It's a dark movie. I like, no, I like the fact that it is a dark movie. I mean, visually and also a lot of the content itself is just uh, sad, dark. I mean, it's about the destruction of a world and kind of the loss of creativity and you know, all of that other stuff. It's so it's so perfect, though. Yeah, I wouldn't touch it. Yeah, I wouldn't do too much either. Yeah. What else have we got? Well, if you want to check out this movie, like we said, YouTube, Hulu has it. It's all over the place. It yeah, is all Amazon over the place. Amazon for like three bucks. Uh, you can probably even, uh, you know, just straight up go get the DVD. Public library, baby. Yeah, I mean free. that's one. Of, it's one of the movies too that was so influential and and is part of the pop culture lexicon. You can just find it yeah, at your FYE or your uh, Walmart, probably. True. You know, as long as your Walmart has a big enough selection, you could probably find that movie. Definitely, really worth the hype. And you know what? I'm talking to you right now, all you hipsters. Okay. Yeah, you son. Me. Of- I'm talking to you. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You will be cooler. For watching this movie. That's Do you know right. how cool me and Lewis are? Did we just got at least 15% more cool after we rewatched this movie. We just did the podcast, and there's people outside of the door right now wanting our signature. Oh, my God. When did they get here? Uh, somewhere during the part where we were saying, and they started forming. Um, with all of the, the uh, resurgence of the 80s style uh, and even just, you know, retro uh, 80s stuff, uh, watching this movie will give you an even more appreciation for that. Even the soundtrack. Even the soundtrack. Of which we sang to you in the beginning. Yeah, we did do that, didn't we? We did pretty well. All right, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys again for taking the time to hear us babble about another film. Please join us next time when Lewis says... Falcor! <laughs> In the bag, baby. The never-ending podcast. (laughs) All Observinator's music and podcasts are under the Creative Commons license, which allows retelling and rebroadcasting as long as the author is notified and credited. For more great escape pods, 
please visit www.servinator.wordpress.com. If you would like to contact Servinator Land, you can send an email to instrumentally at gmail.com or give us a call at 571-408-CERB or 9372.